welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man who's hoping that come Monday it'll be all right, Mr. Shane Reeves. It's amazing how our minds work alike, because I was going to say that we are the people your parents warned us about. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... I... I didn't know how I was going to react to that one. I knew it was going to happen in my lifetime. But uh, seeing the news that Jimmy passed away this week was was surprisingly tougher than I thought. I'm overwhelmed, not with sadness about his life, because he, I mean, yeah, you know, nobody's funeral should say he's going to a better place. Right. <laughs> I mean, nobody should say that. Right. But... Um, Nobody's there to fill his shoes. Well, I take great solace in the fact that most of his best songwriting days are long, were long past him. So it's not, it's not that we're going to miss out on all of the future works that he was capable of putting out. But the big thing for me was that I had never gotten to see him live. Yeah, yeah, I never got to see him live and go. But I'm not a huge live person. That's not as big for me, but I... I do hate that there's really nobody, there's nobody else out there that does what Jimmy Buffett did. No. I mean, just, there's, you know, there's guys that try, and there's guys that, you know, um, who's the guy that sings Banana Pancakes? Jack Johnson. Yeah. He's about as close as we got, and he's pretty obscure. Yeah, and he's also just not, I mean, he's got the sound, but he doesn't have the charisma. Well, and he doesn't switch well. You know, think about Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett could sing Pencil Thin Mustache and then turn around and sing Take Another Road. He could switch from the nursery rhyme to the serious right. stirring song with such ease that I don't think any, you know, Jack Johnson, he does a good job with the nursery rhymes, but he doesn't really have a serious song. I wouldn't know. I'm not a huge fan, so I don't really listen to a lot of his stuff. I know Banana Pancakes. That's about it. Well, it's amazing. I picked the one that you know. It, it really is. <laughs> that's, that's pretty succinct Yeah, that we did that. But, well, we'll smoke a, big, a good cigar, and we'll work as many Jimmy Buffett references into the show as possible today. All right. <laughs> and I'll, so, welcome to the Bama Breeze, and we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really thought you would introduce us from the Bama Breeze. Oh, <laughs> uh, I should have. <laughs> from the hurricane hole in Nassau, Bahamas. That's right. And I'll actually, I, wasn't that song about um, his sister Lulu? Would okay? Did his sister Lulu have the Bama Breeze, or did he write the song Bama Breeze and his sister Lulu, Lulu opened Bama Breeze? I think it's that. I think that was it. I think it's that cycle of. Yeah. Uh, I wondered which way it worked. I don't know. We could have looked that up. Well, we we weren't really planning on no. this this episode being a Jimmy Buffett retrospective. <laughs> Although considering that, and we've talked about it before, but but never really to it. For the last year, every time we've started an episode, prior to hitting record, there's been a Jimmy Buffett lyric. I mean, it's, it's, it's a paramount piece of our, of our podcast at this point. It's canon. It is. It's, it's hard, and it's hard to, to fathom. I mean, I listen to the Jimmy Buffett channel on Sirius every day. Yeah. And there's not a day I don't hear a song of his I hadn't heard before. His catalog is so stinking so deep. So fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's out of this world. But let's talk about cigars. All right. So I brought us something special. Everybody on the Facebook page seen I bought one of the Big Sky Tackle Boxes yesterday. That was so cool. 
Yeah, it's five cigars, a cutter, and ten flies hand-tied by one of the owners. That's the, the fact that they are hand-tied by the owner, I think, is what makes that so cool. It does, and really reasonable price. They're like 117 bucks. They're not... For the, for the pack? Yeah, for the whole shooting match. Wow. Yeah, so you take the five cigars, you know, okay, you're overpaying a little for the five cigars, but you get a little credit for the cutter and then the flies. I mean, it's not a bad deal. You know, you're going to pay, on average, a dollar to two fifty a fly. Right. So if you get, you know, so there's 10 to, you know, however, you said there were 10 flies? Yeah. Yeah, so that's 10 to 25 bucks in flies right there. Sure. And well, and these are a little nicer flies. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they look like they'll be great flies. Now I just got to go buy a fly rod. Don't tell Glenda. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to use mine last weekend on the camping trip. I, oh, that was really exciting. Well, let's light our cigar and then you can tell me about yeah. it. So we're smoking the Big Sky Bighorn 2.0. This cigar is a San Andreas wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder and filler, but um, so is the Cryptid. But this is a is I smoked one yesterday. It's not near as strong as the Cryptid. It's just got a great flavor to it. I've probably my favorite Big Sky. I'm definitely going to probably talk to him about replacing the Blackfoot in the humidor with this cigar because I think it does what the Blackfoot does only a lot better. So I th- I'm really, really enjoyed. Can this you get stick. this outside of the tackle box? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You can just order a box of these. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that today, and I wanted to get your opinion because I was just floored by how much I liked it yesterday. The the thing that blew me away first was the cold draw and just how perfectly smooth the draw on this is. So this is about a what is that about a six and a half by you know 52 54 mm-hmm. something like that it's a it's a perfect toro and it's just i don't know if i've got my humidor a little too wet at the house or something but the cigar i smoked on the way down here today was drawing tight so this is a nice vacation from that for me at the moment first light the the flavor is phenomenal i'm getting a little sweetness Little cocoa, little sweetness, mm-hmm. and all, but I know that mellows out, that mellowed out on me. But that first blast is kind of that sweet cocoa type flavor. Very sweet, yeah. But that that mellows right out of it because when I first lit it, I'm like, ooh, this is this is really got a lot. But I th- but there's a little pepper behind it too. Yeah, there's a lot to this cigar, a lot of depth and complexity to this, the flavors of this cigar. So tell me about the camping trip. Oh man, I this was. No exaggeration, the best camping trip that we've ever done. You know, we, we spent a lot of time kind of waxing poetic and nostalgic for the for the location and the trip itself. And, you know, typically we go the last weekend in September or first weekend in October. And because a number of the folks who go on the trip are going to be in Egypt that weekend that we had originally scheduled, we had to move it up. We have never gone in the dog days of summer before. It was, we were all... Every single one of us, as we were packing up, was thinking, we are insane. What the heck are we doing? This is going to be miserable. The good news is, up in the mountains, it's usually about eight degrees cooler than it is, you know, in the city where we get our weather from. And, and, you know, the whole way up, we're looking at, you know, it's high of 95, feels like 110. And we're just thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be miserable. Now, there's a... It was hot, but it it was pleasantly hot with a breeze... Unless you were up and moving. As soon as you got up and doing anything, that's when you'd start to, to sweat your neck off. And there's a, there's a mountain stream that runs right through the campsite where we pull water from. And 
for the first time in the history of this trip, we actually spent a little bit of time each day just sitting in it. And on, I think it was Friday, my uncle had the brilliant idea, well, why don't we try to float it? Because we had all brought chairs to sit in the river, and then one of my buddies brought inner tubes for everybody. Just to sit in the river was the plan. And it was like, well, we've got inner tubes. We might as well try and float this mountain stream. And it was a comedy of errors. I mean, it was so shallow, and we were having to climb over fallen trees. And But when I tell you it was the most, I guarantee you, if we're not the first people to have done that, it's you can count the number of people on one hand. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But the big news, and why we were quoting so much Jimmy Buffett, is that on Saturday night we had a bear wander in the camp. Now, I've been going up there for 16 years, and... My dad and uncle... I thought it was like a bear was singing, I like mine with lips. No. <laughs> if you've never heard his version of God's Own Drunk from right. the Live You Had to Be There album uh, recorded at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, A, you're missing out on the best Jimmy Buffett album of all time. But the song is brilliant. And so, of course, it's all about... If you've ever heard Lord Richard Buckley's version, it's about this guy who's watching his brother still, and he takes a drink from the still and then a bear wanders up and it's and so it was a lot of quotes around you know right and so we have so my my dad and uncle have been going up there for about 25 years and we have never seen a bear in fact that's one of the questions we always get it's like what are you worried about bear? like we see the guys running dogs like prepping for for bear season all that we know there are bears up there but we have never seen one and so Saturday, we're finishing up dinner. And so, you know, we haven't cleaned dishes. We're still, still in our bowls. And we see it wandering down the road towards us. Okay. Well, there's six of us out there. So we all stand up to get a better look. And, of course, he goes, nah, I'm, I'm good. And he right. wanders off. At this point, we were thinking, at first we thought he was a cub. And then we realized pretty quickly, no, he's not a cub, but he's a juvenile. Because now he was, you know, a good 50 yards away from us at this point. Had a tracking collar on him. So he's, already, he's one that they're, they're monitoring. So we quickly get all the dishes cleaned up, food in the trucks locked away, you know, all of the bare precautions that you're supposed to do. And he comes, you know, he doesn't get close, but, you know, you hear him up in the woods. He's not going too far. And then everyone's a little on edge, which, you know, a bear's a big deal. Sure. A black bear in in the Appalachian Mountains. So the the rule is if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, lay down. If it's white, good night. You know, so a black bear, you get loud, you get big, you pretty much they're going to leave you alone. And so we had safety and numbers and all that, but everyone's a little on edge going to bed. Well, about 1 a.m., my temp mate wakes me up. He says, wake up. And he shines a flashlight and he's in our kitchen and he's licking the top of the black stone. And he's, well, he gets up on his back legs and you see, no, this son of a gun is about six (laughs) feet tall. And I'm guessing about 350 to 400 pounds. He was a bear. So we watch him. He wanders around. He goes back. We finally, after a few minutes of that, we go, okay, he wandered off. We go back to bed. About an hour later, we both hear this cacophonous uproar, and we just both shoot up in bed and look, and he's back, and he wanders around for a few more. Later the next morning, as we're getting ready to load up, we look at the back of the trailer, and we can see claw marks on the back of this seven-foot-tall trailer right up at the top where he that was the noise we heard i'll show you pictures after the show but um at one point he stood and actually stared at us and that was the only moment at which i was it's two in the morning 
me and this other guy are standing out, flat shooting a flashlight at him, standing around in our underwear. Right? Half a boner. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, you know that bear's thinking, what the heck kind of camp did I wander into? Um, but, it, you know, you don't waste time putting pants on because that's just one more thing you have to clean. Sure. Right? <laughs> sure. I clean up a little quicker. Yeah. And... Um, but at one time he turned and stared at us, and I've—he's got a, a nine millimeter on him. I've got the bear spray. So between the two of us, we got a pretty decent shot at at least slowing him down. But right. him staring at us was like, okay, this—he's about to make a decision, and this is going to determine how our night's going to go. Luckily, he just wandered off again. But luckily, he looked at you and said, "Well, there's not really enough meat on those bones to yeah <laughs> to take the bear spray." Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not the the. It's not low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. Just decided, made made a good decision. Did you catch any fish? We did not. So, and I did have a really. I finally feel like I'm starting to get the hang of the fly rod. Cause, you know, this is only about the third or fourth time I've, I've been able to use it. And mountain stream, I didn't have to worry about catching on stuff mm-hmm. like I do around here. And there was a washout. So where we camp is about an hour and a half from town. And the Teleco River runs right through town. And, and, but there was a washout at the Bald River Falls, which is this huge, uh, um, like, 60, 40-foot free-falling waterfall that connects the Bald River, which is the upstream to the Teleco River, to the, to the main river. And to get back to town from our campsite was going to be like a two-hour detour. And so it wasn't really worth it. So we just fished north of the Bald River. Well, they do all the stocking below that. So... We knew there was not really a whole lot in there, right? Other than you know, other than what just naturally happens to live in the river, and so I did see an otter catch a fish. So we figured, hey, let's fish here. There's did some- you ask him what he was using? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Asked to see his permits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you license? have a trout stamp? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was cool. Seeing seeing three otters playing in the wild, I've never seen that before. But we didn't catch anything, but we had fun nonetheless. You know. That was one of the things in Alaska. I didn't realize how big the otters are up there. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're five or six foot long. Yeah. These were, I mean, you know, you see the ones in the zoo and you think, oh, they're so cute and all that. And you see the ones around here and they're two or three foot long. Yeah. But the ones in Alaska, they're like five foot long. Yeah. But, you know, every, everything's bigger. I mean, yeah. the, the mosquitoes up there stand flat footed and make love to a turkey. Right. So... <laughs> That <laughs> just tells you how 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 much bigger it is. But I was shocked how big they were up there. Yeah, it was it was fun though. Like you know, it's funny. I like otters. I think they're so cool. And I've only ever seen them in like zoos or aquariums and things like that. It was really cool getting to see them, you know, play around because they're they're seal hardware running dog software, right? right? And and so just to see them out there playing around in the water and just doing the otter thing was was really cool. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about a cigar. We'll get more camping stories as as, as our big skies re- move on. Yeah. Which is a good cigar to smoke while you're talking about that sort of thing. I thought so. <laughs> Very apropos. All right, start about a new cigar. CO Flathead V23 Racing to retail this week. Um, the new CAO pays tribute to the speedy series of Ford GT40s that dominated the Ferrari at Le Mans. So... I think this is a, a really good, you know, if you're, if you're CAO and you have a brand that highlights sort of automotive heritage and things like that, like this line does, this is a great opportunity to, you know, to, to pay some buy-in. What I don't understand, though, 
is why it's 2023. And this happened in 1966, I think. Um, so it's not a milestone anniversary. So why now? Why not wait three years? Well, you know, there was... So Corolla did the 24-hour war. Yeah, and then uh, Christian Bale and Matt Damon did the, the more stylized version. Damon or McConaughey did Ford versus Ferrari? I think McConaughey was in it, too. Yeah, they may have all been in it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the... Um, so there, w- there has been some movies kind of stirring around that. Yeah. So it's not like it's totally out of nowhere. No, f- and that's fair. My my biggest thing with this, and 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 this is where you know this is going to retail for fourteen bucks. So, you know, the flathead has always been a budget offering for them. So this is creeping up there a little bit. But the flathead is such a bad cigar. For uh, okay, no, how how do we say this around here? It's not my palate. Right. It's a bad cigar. I don't understand why they keep investing in this line. Well, the guys that buy the flathead don't necessarily know a good cigar. Okay, so this is this. These are the same people that keep Baccarat and Quorum. right. This is the marketing. This okay. is the mar- the marketing people. Um, the people that are more susceptible to the marketing of something along these lines are the people that are buying this cigar. That's fair. It's also only going to be released in a 6x60 box press, so, you know, it's a pretty hefty stick at that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it looks good. It's a good-looking cigar. I love what they've done with the label. It's gotten a little bit of an update from the standard line label. I think it's got that 60s, 50s era hot rod kind of vibe to it without being too over the top. The box is gorgeous. But, yeah, I just... A new release on the Flathead line, I just don't get it. I could see somebody picking it up just as kind of on an impulse buy because... And it's kind of designed to that. I don't think your cigar nerds smoke the Flathead. That's fair. I think it's it's kind of... They set it up. It's an impulse buy. You know, the original ones had that engine look and they mm-hmm. had the piston lighter and they had all those different the different gadgets and gigaws associated with that marketing plan. I actually have one of the V8 lighters. Actually, I have two of them. The the ones that they did where you flip it open and the flame shoots out. Right. The, um, which is, again, marketing and branding. It's very cool. I just wish the cigar was good enough to go with it. But if I if I see this one out in the wild, I might pick it up for 14 bucks. Yeah, might, might be worth doing it. We won't get it in here and all because we don't have any CAO stuff because we've not had a good... We've not had a good record with CAO. They've not done anything that really has just take off in this shop. They're kind of, they're they're a um, a fatality of humidor space. I get that. I a mean, casualty. I don't feel like they're particularly inventive since General took over, with the exception of the Amazon Basin series. Yeah, they're not doing anything revolutionary. Yeah. Speaking so, of revolutionary, though, you know, we've been spending a lot of time in the last few episodes talking about hundred dollar cigars and three hundred dollar cigars and. Actually, I think we have one of those later in the show today as well. Um, Zycar is getting in on the game because if you're going to cut a $100 cigar, well, then the freebie you got at the event isn't going to do it. Right. So Zycar is partnering with renowned jeweler Jacob & Company to, devi- to develop the Zycar Exclusive, uh, which is a series of luxurious made-to-order cutters selling for $160,000. I, it'll be, of course we don't get it, right? Well, in defense of the $160,000 dual dragons chasing the pearl cutter, 
I seen this cutter at the show. They had it in the case there at the booth at the Zycar where they're selling the Zycar stuff. And the pictures don't do it justice. It I, really is. It's really beautiful. The pictures do not do it justice. I believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, I just, you know, we, we've talked about there being a break-even point for cigars, right? There's a point at which, like, a, a $40 cigar to a $100 cigar, there's not $60 more that you get out of it. And obviously, 160000 is just for that dual dragon, but like the highest end. I don't think it offers... Uh, 16000 is where the rest of them right. sit. Yeah, eleven to 16000 Yeah, so... But I'm still not going to, to buy a used Volkswagen Golf f- with my, for a cutter. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I have an expensive cutter. Yeah, and all, but it's uh, you know it's a four hundred dollar cutter. It's not a five. We're not getting into four digits, right? And I'll be ordering my expensive cutter here sometime shortly. I just have such a hard time pulling the trigger on one hundred and forty dollars <laughs> for a cutter. Well, the the thing is, here's my question: Do you want to hang out with the guy that has a sixteen thousand dollar cutter? If he's buying. <laughs> you know, like I used to hang out with some guys that they didn't, they had, they could afford this, even though they didn't have it, right? Uh, and so, it was always fun to to go out to the bars with those guys because, yeah, usually they'd cover all or m- most of the tab. Well, the the super expensive cutters, you know, my black horse knife works mm-hmm. cutter. It is German bowler steel. It's a titanium body. It's magnetic locks. Everything about it is, okay, this is a bespoke piece of work and all. And, yes, it, it even takes a lot of skill to operate this cutter. Right. The average person grabbed this cutter and mess up a cigar in a heartbeat. I, have to, I usually just cut it for people. Right. When they say, hey, you have a cutter. Hey, let me cut that for you. Yeah. But the Zycar cutters are known for being kind of the workhorse of the industry. Yeah. That's what people have. It, that it's a design that works flawlessly. It low, uh, low margin for risk. You know, it, it, except for you know taking too much off. But that's just about every cutter. Yeah, yeah. It's, I and, and the thing is though, they've got such a wide and varied portfolio that I think they can get away with this. You know, because you can already buy three and four hundred dollars i cars, the carbon fiber ones and the ivory, which I think they've discontinued, but. It's just, I don't know, I see this and I go, does the, in a world where Prometheus makes the Opus accessories that are kind of in this, you know, $1,000 to $2,000 price range, do, do we need Zycar to enter this part of the market? You know who doesn't push their stuff is ST DuPont. Yeah, it, well, it's one of those, it's kind of like Padron, you don't have to, right? Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, if you know, you know. But you never see S.T. DuPont. And I've cut a few cigars of S.T. DuPont cutters. I don't own one, nor do I plan to. But I've cut a few cigars of S.T. DuPont cutters, and I can't say that it's it was a amazing experience. What would a cutter... Okay, what is the next step in cutter technology? So, for me, it's smoothness. So, because I have used uh, an S.T. DuPont cutter, and I'm not saying that they achieve what I'm about to say, but, you know, when when... Whether it's your iron horse or 
the um, the Zycar, when they get to the end, they stop very abruptly because right. of the friction coming. Fr- you know, once the cigar cap breaks free, it closes. Because I would love to see a cutter that had, and I've tried to design one in my head several times, gearing so that you you don't slam it shut. So it's just smooth. And that's what I'm hoping the Lafine Llamas is going to do for me, being a pocket knife style guillotine. I, but that that's to me that where the the steel of the two blades runs so close together that there's no friction, but that it just, there's no, you don't have that abrupt kind of click at the end. That's what I would like. Yeah, because the thing is, when you're holding the cigar, if you have to push it really hard to get to that point, you mess up your cut because your cigar moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think we'll see power cutters? Have you ever seen a power cutter? I mean, like for PVC pipe? Well, oh, well like a... As, but, I, but I mean, that being the design. Yeah, basically. you would think somebody would make a power cigar cutter that you stick the cigar in, it goes... Zzz. I Would you buy one, though? Oh, no. Yeah. Under no do cut. you know anybody who would buy one? Uh, shops might. Yeah. A shop might buy one in that you put it in there and it reduces the amount of damaged cigars. What's that going to do to your insurance premiums? And how many signs do you have to put up that say, <laughs> how should I say this? Only put cigars in this. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, say so you ain't circumcised? <laughs> <laughs> we can fix that. Uh, yeah, the you mission know. cigar and moil. <laughs> We, um, you know, we actually had to put a sign on the one over here that said, do not get, you know, caution, do not get your fingers. Because we got the big tabletop cutter that's got three blades. Yeah. The, the stainless steel one that everybody has seen. Right. And inevitably, somebody would lay their fingers on the other two openings and put their cigar in there. Yeah. Luckily, you got the sign up before anybody yeah. named themselves. The reason I put the sign up is I actually seen the sign in another shop, and I came back here, and I told Willie, I said, hey, we might ought to put that sign on there, because they wouldn't, somebody somewhere has had this problem, yeah. or there wouldn't be a sign. They have invented a better idiot. Yes. So, speaking of a better idiot, no, no better transition. From CNN Health, FDA says it will finalize ban on menthol tobacco products in coming months. You know, I've really got to hand it to the U.S. government. No one takes an L quite like our government. You know, they, they fought this FDA reg, uh, let, uh, regulation on premium cigars since 2016. So we're going you know, several, several years, uh, almost 10 years going into how long they've been fighting this. And they finally take the loss. They get that, nope, you're done. This is over, put to bed. And they go, right, well, on to the next thing. Well, and it's because they don't have any skin in the game. Exactly my point. They just go, okay, well, then we, we lost that fight. We'll fight somebody else now just because we can and we feel like it. Right. We, the problem of legislators is they want to legislate. Right. They're not going to take the time to step back and go, well, what did, how do we fix that? Where did we go? No, there's none of that. Just forge ahead, boys. It doesn't matter that we lost 73% of our troops. Let's just keep on plowing ahead. Yeah, it's so FDA has been after menthol cigarettes, and actually, the comp, the um, article talks about the um, the groups that are backing this 
are even mad at the FDA because it's taken them so long to actually do something. Yeah, 14 years they've been working through this. Yeah, that they're going to actually have to sue the FDA to get the FDA to do their job. Right. So, I mean, what is going on over there? That place is just a mess. It really is. And I, it's funny because when you, when you really think of the scope of what the FDA does in this country, they, they really should be, I mean, they shouldn't have any hand in tobacco at all anyway. Right. But they're in, you know, they're in food, they're in pharmaceuticals, which that alone takes a whole, you know, and then there are various other places that FDA pops up that I was thinking about when I pulled this article this morning, but for whatever reason, it plum evaded me. So, um, it really should be struck into smaller organizations. Well, we already have a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Tobacco, right. and Firearms. Mm-hmm. Why do, what's the FDA got to do with tobacco? Why do they need to have anything to do with tobacco? There's a clearly another bureau that has it in their name. Let them have it. Yeah, it just makes you wonder what goes on with all this. But, of course, the problem with politics is it gets more about, okay, what will get me elected than right. what's, what's best for the public. Right. And, that, that's generally, and their argument is, okay, menthol masks the taste of the tobacco, makes it more palatable to children and makes it more addictive and yada, 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 so forth. And all, but, okay, take care of your kids. Right. Every time I drive by a house that has one of those signs that says, slow down, we love our children, I want to put a a sign in my yard that says, drive as fast as you want to, we keep our kids and dogs on leashes. (laughs) Knock yourself out. (laughs) I just, I, I, I despise those signs. One of my neighbors had one of those signs that me and Ace walked by every morning. We just took turns peeing on it. <laughs> His aim was a little better, I'm guessing. Well, he's a little closer to the target when yeah, he exactly. starts, you know. Yeah. He, he wasn't having to try to arch it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with those signs. I think that's a bit. But, I, yes, I think, you know, we have law. It's It's so funny. We have laws on the books that say... You have to be this old to purchase. And if you get caught purchasing on behalf of a minor, then you can be prosecuted. Just either enforce those penalties or make the penalties stiffer. Right. Make it so disadvantageous that no one would dare cross that boundary, and then it's solved. Don't, it's not their fault. It's not the tobacco. And I can't believe I'm saying I'm, I'm sitting down on the side of, of, like, the big cigarette manufacturers here, but... It's not their fault that kids think smoking is cool. And if it's the fact that it's readily available to them because of the people that they're around. And if you, you've, got to, you've got to go after that community. It's not the, it's not the manufacturers. We don't, you know, we don't hold JVC accountable when people go deaf. We don't hold you know, Toyota accountable when one of their trucks rolls over. It's the same thing to me. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't follow it, but I... What not, article was that you just pulled up? I accidentally clicked on an ad on the CNN page, and there was a, a young woman wearing just a bra popped up on my iPad for some reason. You got to turn safe search on. <laughs> Something. Well, but then I wouldn't get to see young women in bras <laughs> popping up on my iPad. Well, geofence it, so you only get that at home. <laughs> but oh, now, now you're way out of my technical expertise. I, I, I'll show your wife how to set it up for you. You know, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, so much of this stuff is approach it. If you've got a problem, try a solution. If that solution don't work, 
don't double down on what didn't work. Right. I, I assume we're talking back about the cigarettes yeah. now, not the... Yeah, the... Uh, yeah. You know, the immigration. Immigration and illegal workers and all that stuff is a big problem in this country. Why they keep trying to add stuff to that instead of just saying, hey, here's the deal. We walk out on your job, we find you working an illegal alien, it costs you $10,000. That solves the problem. Right. Then that changes the dynamic. That changes, instead of just trying to add legislation and build all of these other, you know, build walls and all these other stuff, just take away the Take the away need. the incentive of the, of the reason that it's happening in the first place. Right. It's, you know, I, whether you, yeah. We we don't have to go too far down that rabbit hole anyway. Yeah, I don't I, I don't follow why they're doing that. So one more thing before we go to the break. Viaje revisits its fifteenth anniversary with celebratory jar. So the the jar humidor is really what this is all about. Yeah, and I, this is a this is probably a you kids get off my lawn kind of position for me, which I don't take very often. But I don't I don't understand. I they're ugly most of the time. They take up a lot of room without holding a lot of cigars. They're fragile because they're almost always made of ceramic or glass. I just don't see the appeal. The nice thing about the jar humidor, you know, I've got one in my locker here. Right. And it's perfect for setting in my locker because I can store all of my cigars in it and they're standing vertical rather than horizontal so I don't open my, my, my locker and cigars fall out onto the floor they're not rolling around in there. It's a jar. I can pull it out. I can take care of it. I can. So, and especially like on the desk at the office, if you have a jar there instead of having the big box, I do appreciate the space saving from an actual footprint standpoint that the jar offers you. Well, yes, but you're also only holding eight cigars. I, re- I realize it's more than that. It's like 15, but. Yeah, mine in there holds 20. Okay. But you're still, it's. It may be a, a smaller footprint, but a, a 20 count humidor is tiny. I mean, it's the size of a box of cigars. It's not like your, you know, it's not like yours and my humidors that sit and take up, you know, they're the size of a 14 shoe box. True. It does, yeah. I, I like the jars because I like the variety. Yeah. And uh, I have two of the Southern Draws that are actually plastic, they're not even ceramic, they're a plastic, and that's cool. Do they hold humidity? I mean, I know the one in your locker. See, that's the other thing is you're putting it in your locker, but your locker's humidified. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm putting a hat on a hat there, no yeah. doubt. It's definitely a hat on a hat. So I went down a little rabbit hole of this because um, I don't care about the cigars, Viaje. But so I'm, I'm thinking about that. Okay, maybe there's something that I'm just not understanding. Maybe a tradition. Maybe there's a tradition here that I'm not. And to be fair, it it does. Traditional, it, the tradition does go back to the late 1800s. So it's been, they've been around a while. I'll give them that. But the story is just so, like, you think maybe it was like the Sultan of Brunei commissioned this thing because of whatever, like, he had the cigar and his ashes. I could even go, if I was going to invent a history for this, I'd say, okay, you know, sometimes if you make homemade wine and it don't come out right, you can put it in a ceramic jug and change the flavor of it a little. Yeah, and turn it to vinegar. Well, sure. I would say, you know, okay, maybe the ceramic in the yeah, jar worked better. Better for aging or right, something. Right, if you had something you were saving. I could, I could even go down that road. Yeah, do you want to hear the story? Absolutely. So H. Upman was the first brand to do this. 
the H. Upman brothers, who started H. Upman Cigar Company, were bankers before they went into cigars. And they used to use ceramic jars as gifts to their customers. So when they got in the cigar business, they just said, let's stick some cigars in there, and Bob's your uncle. What did they put in the jars when they were bankers? Silver dollars? $100 bills? That wasn't included in whatever. Peppermint sticks? Maybe it was cigars. Maybe I mean, maybe they start, But either way, it didn't start from any sort of functional thing. It was a... It was a gift from the savings and loan. Not something steeped in tradition. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's just sad. Yeah. It's not like there, there's old recordings of people lathing out play pots or throwing play pots or whatever. Right. Now, could your wife make one of these? Oh, yeah. Like she, she could sit down and make one of these? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a lidded jar. It's, I mean, that's, I wouldn't say that's Pottery 101, but it's Pottery 301. I know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> I'll send a text after the show. <laughs> Don't you dare. No, and I'll tell you why. No, because I have... So we bought this house two years ago with the understanding that half of the garage was going to be her pottery studio. And it has been f- so full of junk since we... Now, we moved in two weeks before the baby showed up. So getting actually unpacked was, was difficult. But I've been telling her for a year and a half, if you want the garage clean, give me two days. Two days, like, you and the kid go somewhere for a weekend and just leave me alone to do this. That kind of turned into Lewis Black there for a second. And I haven't been able to get it. And so now next weekend, or actually the weekend you hear this, uh, so if you're in the Dixon area, come by my house. We're having a yard sale. And so we're clearing all of that. So we're, we're finally trying to get to a point where I can get the garage cleaned up. But hopefully enough people come by our crap that I make some room in the garage. Do you have to hang up curtains for the pottery studio? So is there any dust involved in pottery? Th- there is. Um, typically, you know, so we have one of those fabric screen doors for the garage. So we can leave it open without, you know, it's Tennessee. It's nice sure. enough to be in the garage, you know. 10 months out of the year. And so we'll leave the door open and keep the bugs out. But And then there is some when you're like sanding and trimming, there's a little bit of dust, but it's not. It's Your not golf cart's not going to get covered in dust. Oh, it'll probably get covered in dust, yeah. Okay. I'm not, it, I'm, the, the bigger concern is, is breathing it in because it has silica in it. And so it can create some long-term health problems. But most... The, the volume that you're around as a hobby potter is so small that it really doesn't, doesn't make that big I of a I thought I seen hobby potter playing for Georgia yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Georgia has the best football player name ever. And I was, we were sitting here watching football yesterday. And, you know, week one, everybody's playing their cupcake. Nobody is right. playing their, you yeah. know, they're not playing a real Auburn's game. not playing... Alabama. Right. They're, everybody's playing a cupcake game because they're getting warmed up. They're figuring out. They're getting the receivers synced up. They're doing all that. How demoralizing is it when you sign up for a, a D1 school, a part of a major conference, and everyone's talking about, yeah, this is our year, this is our year, and then you see week one, South Carolina. Oh, crap. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're but, the cupcakes. Yeah. But um, Georgia was playing – and their um, running back receiver, something or other, is named Brock Powers. That's, uh, is that not the best football name He ever? was either going to be a football player or an electrician. <laughs> an electrician would be too on the nose. 
See, uh, I'm, I'm for that. Like, I should have been a mortician. <laughs> With the last name Deadman? Absolutely. Oh, abs- yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm the- all for people fulfilling the prophecy of their last name. <laughs> but Brock Power. Yeah, look at Richard Nixon. But <laughs> <laughs> Brock Powers. If, you, if your daughter comes home and you say, oh, yeah, who are you going out with tonight? Brock Powers. You're, you're making her stay home. You're yeah, not but, her, she's not going she, out. She's already pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just hadn't even gone on the date yet. Yeah. I'm just saying, Brock Powers, greatest football name in history. I, I defy anyone to show me a better one. All right. Well, we've run super long for the first half of the show, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more after this. Okay. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. <laughs> this is one of your hosts, Shane, trying desperately to think of a Jimmy Buffett-related bump joke. <laughs> I, I wanted to do something with, um, what's the song he does about um, uh, gypsies in the palace? I was trying to come up with something related to that, because that's one of my favorite Jimmy Buffett songs. I don't know the name of that song off the top of my head. Yeah, it, well, no, the name's Gypsies in the Palace. Oh, I don't, then I don't know that song, I don't think. Oh, one of his best. Okay. You need to listen to that on your way home tonight. Gotcha. I will but, do that. as everybody noticed, I stutter-stepped and forgot my joke that I had. I had a good one built up. <laughs> Y'all had to take my word for it. Maybe two, next week. <laughs> yeah. From Aficionado, two Romeo and Juliet cigars from Winston Churchill set for th- to sell for thousands. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. And, and honestly, Churchill cigars are the ones that pop up. I'm wondering if the value on these cigars is going to start to go down by how many just happen to be on the market. I feel like it's always a Churchill-related cigar. Okay. Is there anybody in the world that if you saw throw away a cigar butt, you would pick it up and latch it down in whatever that glass is they use? Just hermetically and, seal it. Yeah, I mean, if, if say say you and Schwarzenegger, you know, Schwarzenegger walks by you and throws a cigar down on the ground, would you pick it up and and no. keep it for later? No, I don't think I would. I don't think that there's no cigar smoker iconic enough in modern society that we would do that. The one, the only one I would would be Bill Clinton, and that's because not because I value his, you know, his his contribution to the country or anything like that has more to do with the fact that because he was a president of the United States, that's going to hold more value later. Yeah, because you got two markets. you got the cigar collector and you got the president collector. Exactly. Yeah, and there, there's probably, and there's a lot of distasteful jokes that we're too good to make based on his cigar. I wasn't even going to bring that up. Uh, yeah, the, I would, no, I have, to, I have to show that I'm that, that, that I'm consciously... On, that, right. It's, uh, it's not a gap in your sense of humor. You're making a conscious decision. Otherwise, somebody will message me some, some Bill Clinton cigar joke. You know, that, so Why didn't you say that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying we're, we're above that. We're beyond that kind, of, that kind of rudimentary humor. But the Churchill cigars. Yeah. So these were two Romeo and Juliets uh, and included a signed photograph as well. And... It happened during a transatlantic voyage on the Queen Mary, which I thought was interesting. Um, and uh, they sold for $5,500 on August 16th. So that's... And I, I, 
I don't necessarily want to go the route of would you pay that for that because that's what we always talk about in these. I feel like that's the most reasonable. Like I feel like yeah, that's it's not a king's ransom. No, it, but now to clarify, these are just cigars that Winston Churchill handed to someone. Right, they don't have his DNA on them. They right. haven't been cut or lit or anything like that. Yeah, they and one of them's in pretty rough shape. I don't know if he drug it behind the boat on the way home or what. But the, well, you know, there are two cigars that Churchill handed to this guy, and years later his family, I'm sure, sells it for twenty five or fifty five hundred dollars. What's what's really cool about this to me, and another reason why I think it's surprising that it only went for as much as it did, is in addition to the photo and the two cigars, it includes a letter, uh, basically a letter of uh, authenticity, basically kind of explaining who the photo is, what, it, and it it just adds that much more sort of uh, provenance. Yeah, I was trying not to use that word because it was the one from the from oh. the article. But yeah, it just uh, it, it solidifies the authenticity as well as kind of painting some backstory and really helping understand that because that's when you start talking about art, artifacts like this. That's what's cool to me is like okay, a, a dinosaur footprint that they dug out of the ground. Okay, great, but I can't read a letter from that dinosaur to his grandmother about why he was walking across the Serengeti that particular day. I like these kinds of things where it's not only, yes, it's important because of who touched it and where it, da, 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 but then you get the backstory and you know who lives, who, what, whose lives were touched with this and stuff. And I think that's cool. So money's no object. Say win the lottery tomorrow night. All right. Money is no object. What is the one really odd collectible type thing you would pick up? And I'll tell you mine so that you got a few minutes right. to think. I want a real Megalodon tooth. Okay. I have a replica, but I would like to have a real nice Megalodon tooth from an actual, you know, prehistoric shark. They're not that hard to get, but a big one is. You know, the six-incher is a pretty big cigar. Big, big cigar. It's a big cigar, but it's also a big Megalodon tooth. Right. And uh, I don't want one of the little bitty ones. I do want a nice size one. And uh, that would kind of be my senseless thing that I would buy. I would want Nikolai Tesla's notebook. So it's it's funny to me because you know we all grew up in school being taught about all of what Edison did and da 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 da, da. and then it's kind of create there's there's been this I've always been a Tesla fan over over Edison and then you know it's become become sort of the the pop culture sort of thing now to be more on a Tesla fan than an Edison fan but I think having his notebook Either his or Ben Franklin's, two just prolific inventors, and just to see the stuff that they invented that we have no idea about. Just the stuff that they wrote down. Just yeah. on, That's where the electric cigar cutter is. Right, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, in Ben Franklin's notebook. But that was the first thing he invented once he got electricity. Oh, absolutely. That's why he invented electricity. Yes, he said, hey, I'm tired of pushing these cigar cutters, messing up the cut on my cigar. Exactly. And I, but, you know, stuff like this, and I, you know, I know a guy that's a very big... Um, fan of Churchill, and I don't even think he would spend the money to buy something like this. No, probably not. So, but fairly interesting thing. All right, next article. So, Liga Pravada has a well, Drew Estate has announced the Liga Pravada 10 Anniversario selection uh, for international markets. So, 
I mentioned at the top of the show, this isn't quite a $100 cigar. It's, well, $25 to $100. They haven't really released, so depending on size. You know, I used to love the Liga Pravada line. You know, back when there were, you know, two, maybe three places in a given state where you could get them, and they were an annual release, and they, you know. And then, I, 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 won't, I won't name names, but... A few years ago, there were some business changes in the Drew Estate camp that I am convinced ended up changing, either changing the blend on the Liga or forcing production to volumes that that tobacco couldn't sustain. I think that's it. I think they did change the blend by adding so many more, because used to, it was hard to get a Liga. Right. Now, if you're a Drew Diplomat dealer, you've probably got a few ligas in your humidor. Year-round. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, unless not, you've just got somebody in your shop that buys them all right. every time they come in, you probably get, it's not a hard find. Right. And they're, they're not selling out the second they hit the shelves like they used to. And so I still like the cigar, but it's one of those, if I'm paying that kind of money, I'd rather have a Placencia or a Padron. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, you know, for a number of years, a Liga number 9 was my birthday cigar and it's not anymore in fact I'll have an Almafuerte this year so but I'm curious though you know the this is the one for the international markets but they also released a Liga 10 for the domestic market you know that Undercrown 10 was cigar of the year for us last year excellent cigar was and I, I like the Undercrown well enough but I don't love it that Undercrown 10 was incredible so if the Liga 10 is that much better than the regular Liga, I don't know that I wouldn't at least buy one. Well, I've had a Liga 10. Okay. The 10th anniversary Liga is when they come out. A friend of mine that's in the business got one, and he brought it to my WrestleMania party, and I smoked it while watching WrestleMania. Before you go any further, let me tell you my biggest fear with the Liga 10 would be that it would taste like an original Liga. <laughs> that it tastes like you, the Liga you remember. Yeah. Yeah, that could ruin that could ruin so much for you. You know, because when I first when I bought my first Liga, I think I spent thirteen, fourteen dollars mm-hmm. on it, and so to pay a hundred dollars for that same cigar today, that would just break my heart. Yeah, the Liga Ten was excellent. I enjoyed it. Now this is going to be an international market, right? So is this going to be in the United States, or is this going to be like the Bauhaus and be a more broadly distributed cigar that we're not going to get here as much. I, I don't think we'll get it here as much, but I I imagine it's probably close enough in blend to the one we got here that we won't see just a ton of importing of this. Because the difference with the Bauhaus is that we didn't have an, an analog here, so we saw a lot of people buying them overseas and bringing them here and selling them on the secondary market. I don't think you'll have that as much with this. It'll be interesting because we've got the Drew Estate poker game here September 19th. And I'm probably going to prod Kyle a little bit about this. I'll have to ask him, hey, what's the chances of, of a tent, Liga 10 getting in this shop? Yeah. It'd be inter- and he'll probably tell me something because the, the Drew Diplomat program is slightly more complicated than rocket surgery. Just ever so slightly. It's just everything is this and this level. You know, when it started out, it was, okay, you buy this much cigars, you're a diplomat, you get this. Do you remember when you got to college and all of a sudden your grade was based on, like, weighting of five different categories of assignments? You had, like, 
class participation and, and exams and your final exam, and they were all weighted differently. And trying to do that math on how many points you needed in various things, to, that's what the diplomat program is like now. Yeah, that's kind of what it's become. It's really become complex, and especially from a retailer side, because they broke it out. The Hoya stuff acts different than the Undercrown stuff, right. and they've those are your quizzes. This is your homework. They've made it most advantageous they can for them, which is fine. They're the ones providing the cigars, right? But yeah, it's kind of one of those things. It's it's gotten very difficult to deal with through that. So I'm I'm not sure about that. Boy, my iPad battery is dying in a hurry. Um, well, quick. Let's get to the end of this show. <laughs> so, moving forward, let's talk about Council Splits Vote regarding Downtown Cigar Lounge. This is from the News Courier. They're on your side, I guess. Well, and this is from Athens, but I don't know if that's Georgia or Nebraska or where. Right. There's Athens everywhere. There's Athens, Tennessee, Athens, Alabama. There's, I've driven through at least five different Athenses in my life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So the Athens City Council voted 5-2 to two to approve a lounge retail liquor license to Studio 16 Cigar Lounge, located at 112 North Marion Street, for those following at home. And prior to the vote, the Marion Street Church of Christ spoke out in opposition of the license. So, I w- first of all, this is a downtown district. So it's, you know, th- you've got business lined up shoulder to shoulder. But this this particular establishment is five doors down from the church. So it's not even like it's next door. I I don't understand why we give, it, it, particularly in the South, which is what makes me think this is Georgia, I don't understand why we give churches so much power to dictate what other private citizens can do. Well, I can tell you why. Well, blue laws. No, it's even easier than that. All right. Who goes to church? The the people that want to be seen and be elected. Old people. Well. Who votes the most? Yeah, old, old people. Old people. So that's why politicians bend the knee, pardon yeah. the pun, to the, to the church crowd, because they know there's a, per capita, there's a bigger block of voters doing that. Sitting in the pews each, each Sunday morning. Exactly. Yeah. It, but I just, it, it drives me up a wall. Um, you know, the whole, you can't have a liquor store within so much of a church or, you know, you can't have this within so much of a church. And it's like, if the church doesn't want something popping up two doors down from them, buy the property. And I know that's your line, usually. Absolutely. You know, it's just, especially when you consider that churches don't pay taxes, but that's another, that's another soapbox that I will, I won't jump up on today. Um, I will say, I was pleased to see that in a, I think it was a 4-2 vote or a 4-3 vote, 3-2 vote, that the the license got uh, approved. You know, in Tennessee, we recently, it's been the last two years, allowed liquor stores to be open on Sunday. Oh, it's, that's been since, it's been at least six years. Okay, six years. Because I have bought liquor on a Sunday, so I know it's been at least six years. I remember there was a time you couldn't buy liquor on a Sunday Mm -hmm. because of the blue laws, and then there was a time you couldn't buy beer before noon before we got the Titans. Right. And And you couldn't buy uh, wine in a grocery store until about 15 years ago, 12 years ago. No, it's been sooner than that. 
Wine and wine in the grocery stores are very recent thing. Okay, maybe it's that's be two eight, or three years. Eight or nine. No, it again. It was when I was still drinking, so it's been at least six years. But maybe it was closer to eight. But yeah, all these blue laws are relics of a bygone era. And I know what you think. I said I said laws. <laughs> no, the, no, that's all. I'm so glad you didn't see that. All right, for the folks playing the home game. I normally smoke with my left hand, but today I'm holding the mic with my left hand, and my cigar is in my right, and I just tried to smoke the microphone. <laughs> well, lied at first. I got <laughs> such a, I just got such a, a rude awakening when that metal touched my lips, not knowing what was happening. <laughs> Remind me to put a label that that's Trey's mic. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, that tickled me. Yeah, the the blue law. I thought it was a, a juvenile joke about blue laws. No, but the blue laws are antiquated laws that are hanging around for no other reason than the voter base is the old people that right. that still believe that. Oh yeah, we're we shouldn't have a bar within uh, you know a mile and a half of a church. And let me tell you this, church people, old people, both of you. If you're so concerned that somebody's going to be driving to your services on Sunday morning and see a that you share a parking lot with a bar and they're going to walk in there instead of in your church, maybe you should hone your message a little bit. Maybe it's your marketing that needs some uh, some tweaking. Well, you know, one of our friends, Nate McIntyre, he does a podcast. Have you been listening to it? Um, I've I've talked to him about it. I haven't listened to it it's yet. Good. It's very good. But and it's called the Spotted Goat. Yep. And he's he's really addressed this issue of the things churches are doing wrong now and all that. And that's a that's a that's a um, rabbit hole y'all can go down by listening to Nate's podcast. We'll give him a, a, a shout out on that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it is a great is a great podcast. But that's and but yeah, that's the thing is is there's so much there's so much else going on that it just but yeah, I, I think you make a really good point. You you do campaigning in church. You know the the people who want to be elected are spending time with the people who you know, and they're the ones that are voting. So it becomes easy because, and I also think most of your most of your young voters that are coming up are more focused on bigger issues than this sort of minutia, right? Like this is um, uh, administrative, right? And most of the younger people who are are riled up enough to vote aren't you know pressuring their city council members to reverse these types of laws they're worried about other stuff all right so tell me what you think of the bighorn i've i've smoked faster than you and i know why you've been puffing on your microphone for half the show <laughs> <laughs> i cannot believe i did that um well also i've been talking a little bit more than usual um this is phenomenal what's the retail on this um, fourteen bucks. Okay, yeah, this is this is absolutely phenomenal. I've I really like this. This is definitely I even like this better than the cryptid, which has been my my standard for the big sky. You're right. The the sweetness mellowed out very very quickly. The it's very savory. It's leathery. Like it's it's got that. I don't know. It tastes. To, to, not to compare it too much to a, another cigar that you and I were talking about before the show, this tastes like fall. It does. 
this tastes like the outdoors. It tastes like fall, which I'm sure is exactly what they were going for, considering the the backstory on on Big Sky Cigars. I I really like it. I'm giving it a solid six and a half. I concur. Just a great stick. If you get a chance, it's the Big Sky Cigar Bighorn 2.0. You can order them off their website because not a lot of stores carry them. But just wonderful, wonderful stick. I definitely think everybody should try one. Yeah, I do too. Well, how do they get a hold of us, right? You can reach us at facebook.com slash cigarcast. That was not English, was it? That was was in a rush. Yeah. yeah. Facebook.com slash TheCigarCast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at TheCigarCast. And email info at TheCigarCast.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 